1: What's up, you guys? Sean ross sat managing editor of Fightful.com. Fightful Wrestling.com and of course FightfulSelect.com. Head over to fightfulselect.com because we have a ton of stuff this week. I did the first ever edition of If It Were a Work, If It Were a Shoot, I did a Q&A podcast today, members only podcast coming Wednesday. This weekend, the Fightful Wrestling uh, or the Fightful Select weekender podcast will be free to non-subscribers as a preview. As I review Dominion, uh, the best of the super juniors finals 205 live nxt ring of honor impact all that good stuff and don't forget over on fightfulmma.com there's ufc 225 coverage which features a guy by the name of cm punk that will be very interesting this show brought to you by com. that's dot com. if you watched list and your boy a couple weeks ago you probably saw us talk about this chat i didn't believe it was real they sent me some of this stuff It is a healthy alternative to butter. It's got your omega fatty acids in it, and they are fantastic. I fried some pork chops with it this week. It was delicious. Have you ever used ghee, Jeff?
2: I have not. I am a pure butter guy, but this sounds cool.
1: It's fantastic, and I had to use very little of it to make uh, these pork chops. Head over to omghee.com. It's omghee.com. Check them out. They also sent me some tea, which I'm really excited to check out. And let them know that you heard from or heard about them from us over at OMG Butter on Twitter. That type of stuff really helps us. If you want to support Fightful, support the people who support Fightful. We had a wild day today. We're going to talk about uh, SmackDown Live, of course. But there was a pretty big happening today. We had the final arguments or the, yeah, the, basically the. Final arguments and the verdict read in the CM Punk, Cole Cabana, Chris Amon situation. We do have interviews with Cole Cabana and CM Punk on Fightful.com and our social media. Check it out, retweet, all that stuff. Jeff, based on what you read about this situation and your connection to the law world, (laughs) (laughs) what did you expect out of this?
2: I honestly expected the jury to find in favor of Dr. Amon really and 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 I'll tell you why, um not because his case rose to the standard of libel or injury or anything to that effect, but I thought for at least from what I've read that there was enough holes in punk's version of the story where they they may just say, "Look, he's embellishing for effect here, and while it may have been you know, something or may have been, you know, a, a lump or, or what have you. The the extent of the criticism did not meet the level of the injury to Punk. That that was my initial thinking of reading, just reading the back and forth of the case and reading, reading some of the testimony. That said, to me at least, the jury probably, I, I think the turning point was that royal rumble story about how after they said to to get him out of there he stayed in the ring and then they put him through a table and i think even if the level of evidence didn't show that there was reckless disregard for punk's health i think that story in and of itself kind of turned the jury in punk and punk in cabana's favor in 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 many ways that that's just in my opinion i was a little disturbed by the uh by the story that the jury was shaking hands with Punk and Cabana after the after the yeah. after the trial. I Marks. I am I'm not a fan of that at all, even if it is high profile. Um but that that's just my initial viewing. I mean, I wasn't in the court, I didn't hear all this, so but that's just my initial opinion.
1: So a few things stood out to me, and we did a breaking news podcast on this today and yesterday. Go check those out. I spoke to Steve Muehlhausen, who was in the courtroom, and spoke to Punk and Cabana. So all that is available on YouTube at youtube.com slash Fightful. Also, uh, all over our podcast stuff. So whatever there. There were a few things that stood out to me. One, I, I sympathized a bit with Chris Amon because, you know, I was covering pro wrestling full time by that point and I really didn't have a clue who Chris Amon was until that happened. I mean, maybe I had heard his name in passing, but I became familiar with him because of these series of podcasts. And so did the... I would I would wager 99% of pro wrestling fans, probably above that, found out who Chris Amon was because of these podcasts. And the... <laughs> it got real weird because the effect of trolling on Twitter was introduced to the point to where the quote, what did the Mike clitorises of the world <laughs> mean to, yes, to you? Also, there was introduced was, <laughs> how much does it mean to have your Thanksgiving ruined by trolls? Now, I can tell you that I refer to, the last week of November through about the first week of December as interview week. Every single week since like 2013, 2014, there's been some huge mastodon level interview that's dropped, whether it's John Jones after he hit a pregnant woman with a car, or CM Punk, or John Jones again after he failed a drug test and is on Rogan. Every year, there's some big interview that drops. Ruins my Thanksgiving every week. Unfortunately for Chris Amon, that wasn't enough. He was promoted shortly after all this. If I were the jury, I would have been flat out offended by the plaintiff's attorney accusing that there was no lump at this point. Like, yeah, there was so much evidence that there was, in fact, a lump.
2: Well, I also I also am kind of taken aback by the fact that they introduced social media into this at all. That's because it was a case about his professional reputation being hurt has nothing to do with people trolling him on social media. Now, if people now see and here, here comes the tricky part, because WWE supposedly was backing backing this lawsuit in many ways, even even though they weren't using WWE attorneys. You would have needed WWE employees to say, yeah, there was a lack of trust within the company with Dr. Amon. After after hearing about yes. what happened to Punk and there's no way they're going to do that. So his case was already on flimsy jurisprudence anyways, without the help of people or even former talent in the company who would have heard this and would have no problem testifying without the WWE's uh, approval. So it it kind of leads credence to the thought that ah, this was just legalities just to bleed them dry. In some ways. So
1: so I was shocked at one of the statements he made in the interview uh, that he did with us at Fightful. He said, I'm really excited to never talk about how it was forced to work through concussions again. And because of what you just said, because they would have had to have had somebody within the company show up and say, we lost trust in this guy. I think that gave CM Punk the room to be able to make a statement like that to us. Mm -hmm. Because... That would be the situation in which they would open themselves up, then, because WWE hasn't faced the concussion lawsuit yet nice. necessarily, and that that's going to be a big one one day. That's well, gonna be yeah, a big one
2: if if you get one in the statute of limitations, in there, yes, <laughs> I mean that that's that's always the issue. They are so good about having their trials put into the state of Connecticut, where these things. I mean, look, McDevitt's a genius.
1: Oh, I, I would have watched McDevitt versus Raven on pay-per-view. That yeah. conversation, that's one I would have paid 20 bucks for. Yeah. Whew. This is, this is wild stuff. Very, very wild stuff. Again, please, if you all don't mind, head over to Fightful Online on Twitter. Retweet our little conversations with CM Punk and Cole Cabana. You know, there were questions about their friendship and it being strained because of this and CM Punk told us that he was happy first and foremost that Colt Cabana was out of this mess because I man, I don't think Colt Cabana made any bones about it he doesn't have four million dollars he doesn't have two million dollars he's commentating for Ring of Honor wrestling part-time there and then working the independent circuit CM Punk while you know I don't think he's keen on the idea of dropping two to four million dollars also has that off his plate but He's got to fight this weekend. How do you think this affects either man individually?
2: Well, I, I think, you know, winning this case may be the olive branch needed between Cabana and Punk if their relationship isn't already back together. Because from what reports were, AJ Lee gave Colt a big hug. And if if her husband and him were on the outs, she wouldn't be doing that. that that's my thinking there. Um, look, You sit in a courtroom for eight to 10 hours a day. It's physically draining. I don't care what anybody says. To try and get in workouts and cut weight at the same time, and the fact that you're not necessarily the most highly skilled fighter in the world, and you're fighting in the UFC, even if you're not fighting against the greatest opponent in the world, all of this is going to have a cumulative effect. I didn't have much hope for CM Punk winning this match to begin with. I think it'd be a great story if he did. Don't get me wrong; I'm not rooting. I'm not one of those people rooting against him. But I, I, I would bet against Punk if I had to bet a hundred bucks.
1: I think he has a fair shot at winning. I mean, he's trained at one of the best camps in the world for three and a half years, and I've had a lot of people bring up Mike Jackson's a boxer, yeah, but he's got four fights, and the combined number of wins that his opponents have are zero. So we'll see. Obviously, UFC two twenty five show podcast this saturday myself and james lynch uh, myself and showdown joe previewed the event heavily pros picks colby covington joined us to say a bunch of ignorant shit uh that's over at fightfulpods.com. yeah i think i think a lot of what this came down to there was this fixation on amon's side that the lump never existed and my god it was overwhelming
2: that's oj in the glove. (laughs) that's what that is i mean you can't put all your credibility on no this never existed you could say i misdiagnosed you could say whatever but i mean you can't deny that it's not there and then if they prove it's there your case is totally sunk i was going to go back to something about the concussion lawsuit go ahead you know the plaintiff is going to have to be in that in any way probably is someone from the performance center who played in no contact sports that's the yeah. only way they're gonna be able to win something like that because all they'd have to do is plausible deniability of, hey, he worked on the indies and worked these garbage matches or hit his head here or he used to play football and it could have been from that. It's not our fault he got a concussion. You know, it, it would have to be someone homegrown and someone from a non contact sport. And that's gonna be that's gonna be your Rosetta Stone. That's gonna be your pink unicorn of a plaintiff. If you have one.
1: Yep. I think it was... I don't even know if the radio appearance in which CM Punk showed off the spot on his back was ever even introduced into evidence or not. But, I mean, he did. Like, I think it was December 2013. He was on a radio show and complained about a spot on his back.
2: Well, I thought that, that was sure. going to hurt him. I thought that was going to hurt him because when when it went from the back to the butt, I went, yeah. uh-oh, there it is. He couldn't even remember it. But then again, the podcast is not legally binding um testimony exactly so i mean i don't understand introducing that at all other than select why do it in its whole why not just play the parts where he's trashing Amon and you make the case from there they thought that i I just the plaintiffs were a bit arrogant in my opinion
1: now i want to ask you do you think this is the first time in courtroom history that mike literis has been introduced And where would they even have found Mike Glitterist in order to get them to testify?
2: God, this is the perfect segue to that New Day segment. Uh (laughs) 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 Oh, Mike, I can't believe it. I just...
1: uh... When I heard that, I was like, wow. And The reference, Twitter is an open window in a kitchen. Anybody can scream into it or out of it. I was like, "Ah, you know... Okay. Okay. Ah. There are no words. Damn, man. <laughs> it's time to talk SmackDown Live. Uh, in case you guys didn't notice, I've been uh popping up in the live coverage, talking, chatting, dropping some production script notes. So head over to fightful.com. Anytime we do live coverage, leave a comment. I'll probably be doing some giveaways in there. I want to increase uh engagement in there. Also, uh increasing form activity, all that good stuff. So definitely go over there, check that out. But we got smacked down. I've. Asuka kicked off the show defeating Absolution, but Carmella came off, came out first and carried really the first eight minutes by herself, mainly through her entrance and through video packages. But she does this video package showing what Asuka used to be and then exposing her. What did you think of these?
2: I think Carmella is great as an actress on this show. She, she holds her own. She holds the audience's attention. There's something, there's something about when she chuckles to herself that just makes the character make, makes it all come together. I, I I think she's great. I still don't understand the logic of a, of a baby face going, yes, give me a handicap match against two people. But, you know, Oscar is the type of character who can pull it off, and I thought Absolution were pretty good in, in their in their part of the promo here too, especially Sonya. I, I think Sonya is underrated in terms of this women's roster. Oh, in, she's not going to be by ways. the time this
1: segment's over.
2: I mean she she's she was great in this match, and she was great in this segment. I thought.
1: My God, I thought that Sonia was was excellent. So Asuka follows Carmella out after Carmella says that she is ready for Asuka. Then Absolution are out. I'm really glad to see them wearing anything but all black because Mm -hmm. that's what the entire roster wears. Can stand out that way. Paige follows and says that Asuka can have whichever member of Absolution that she wants. And Asuka says that she wants both. She, she went all Tommy Dreamer on him. She's hardcore.
2: I want both. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too.
1: Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I love the start of Sonia and Asuka. Leg kicks. They were pummeling for underhooks. Then went into a collar and elbow. Asuka went for a knee bar. It was really cool. The only thing I didn't like about Sonya was at one point she looked at the crowd and screamed, Who do you think you are, Oscar?" And I'm like, that's not, she's right down there. No, 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 she was not silly, so she was yelling at
2: the audience looking for Asuka. I got that.
1: I, I bet. I bet. Asuka <laughs> gets the upper hand, hits Mandy Rose with her ass, and a missile drop kick. After a commercial where Mandy Rose controls thing, Asuka and Sonya double kick each other. This entire part of this match yes. really highlighted the strengths of both of these women, especially a young Sonya Deville. You give me 10 to 15 of Sonya Deville and Asuka, and a well-built Sonia, I'd be all over that. I love the way that they sold this. I love Sonia running into the kick, then transitioning into her knees, and she has one of the best spears on the roster.
2: Mm-hmm. No, I, I totally agree. And I'm, I'm going to also put over commentary for this match. Because <laughs> I think they did a hell of a job with the whole Carmella's not paying attention to Byron and only paying attention to Corey. Shtick. I thought they played that off quite well, and I thought I thought all three of the players within that played their role up to the t, especially Byron, not being able to get a question in as a baby face. And just no, no, hold on. I got this Byron. Let me ask this question. Yeah. You know, I thought all of that while the match was going on, all of it was a perfect package here.
1: I'm excited for a heel to show up and completely ignore Byron. Then pretend like he's not there. Like a child that you pretend is turned invisible. Where did Byron go guys? Is he still here? And Byron's like, I'm right here. I'm I'm here. I've been here all along. That's, very that's,
2: Kevin, I, that's a very Kevin Owens type of move. Exactly.
1: Right? That's who I was about to pitch for that. Asuka and Sonya just have incredible chemistry. Little things like Sonya rolling out of the arm bar are, mm. are great. And things that she knows immediately because she's been taught from day one, roll out of an arm bar, you turn around, you scramble. Uh, she taps to an Oscar lock. I really think it should have been Mandy Rose taking the submission here. I, I think that that they, man, they just don't care about a Sonya Deville. And I don't think that they see what they have in a Sonya Deville of all the people that pretty much bypassed NXT. She spent some time there. She's one that really didn't necessarily need it based on the work that I've seen in the main roster.
2: Right. But they want to protect Mandy, I think. So I mean, they think they're going to heat up Sonya at any time. That that's the problem is they get arrogant about this fifty fifty stuff, mm-hmm. and they don't realize.
1: Oh well, it's not fifty fifty. Sonya's well. won three matches all year.
2: Yeah, I mean because she's not the half of Absolution that uh, that she's they, not the blonde to be a star. Yeah, you said you said it, not me.
1: There you go. <laughs> there you go. After the match, Asuka backfists Mandy, but but gets attacked by Carmella. Great heel work from Carmella in this as well. This was a really, really good first half hour of the show. Agreed. I thoroughly enjoyed it.
2: And and again, there's just Carmella is doing right now what Alexa Bliss was doing when she was champion. And that is finding her center, finding her character, and really exploring it within the context of terrible dialogue at times.
1: We have some breaking news. Oh, really? Leo Rush headed to 205 Live. Huh. That, mean, would, that would lead me to believe Ricochet ain't going to 205 Live. Because I no. always thought it was going to be one or the other. Either Leo Rush or Ricochet were going to be the one that became SmackDown or Raw's, essentially Next Rey Mysterio. I think it's going to be Ricochet, but Leo Rush headed to 205 Live.
2: I guess he's out of the doghouse.
1: Yeah, oh boy, yeah, that's true. Well, he was in it for a little while, but he works hard. But you know, no, there's' the he hasn't lo-
2: been on TV all that much except to get killed by. Uh, uh,
1: well, that's the guy. thing. Sometimes they like to yeah. take people off TV, but I think he's going to be a great addition to that roster. I cannot wait to see some of those matches. Two hundred five live is a must-watch every week. At least the very, the main event is. Uh, I review that on the Fightful Select Weekender podcast.
2: Give me Leo versus Buddy. Oh,
1: God damn. That would be awesome. Carl Anderson defeated Harper. Harper jumps Anderson's ass early on. I just think Anderson is exceptional as a babyface. He can sell really well. I like that he flies around a little bit more. I really, really like him as a traditional babyface. There's a black hole slam on him, but he rolls up Harper for the win. Nothing special about this match besides Anderson gets the win. Also, Anderson and Gallows have gotten themselves into some kind of shape, man. I've never seen them in this good of a shape.
2: Yeah. um, I agree with you about Carl Anderson. I mean, you remember before these two jumped, there was those thoughts that, well, maybe Carl Anderson deserves a singles run in new Japan. He was always that guy that he was always that guy that they thought, okay, maybe now's the time to push him. And yeah, he, he's lost. He's dropped a lot of weight and gotten a bit cut here. I, I, you know what? I disagree with you. I thought him and Harper had pretty good chemistry here. And I, I, you know, I'm a big fan of Luke Harper in this role quite a bit. I didn't quite like the way that he won. I would have rather, you know, after a match, he wins it nice as opposed to the whole sneaks a win. And maybe they can sneak a win at at the pay-per-view because it kind of ruins.
1: It was just too short for me. That's the problem I had. It was real quick. And I understand sometimes you have to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, I would, in a a situation like this, as you mentioned, I would rather somebody like that get a win with one of their signature moves if it's going to be quick. That way, the next time they do the, oh, my God, they kicked out of a move that everybody is kicked out of. Well, if you got to catch somebody, sense. there's more to
2: catch somebody with than just a schoolboy or a roll-up. That, that's him, all I want. Do
1: that hayak kick and then roll him up. Yeah. I mean, really, really pepper that. Add, add something to it. It seems to make Agreed. more sense. Mm-hmm. I thought Naomi and Jimmy Uso cut a pretty good promo backstage until the cheesy Uso penitentiary line. Naomi's been a lot better at delivery of late. So Lana comes out to a rather tame reaction. Her entrance is so baby face. Like, yes, we, we discuss it all the time. It's she dances. She dances. And well. is a
2: baby face move. I don't care. You're damn right. <laughs> it is. You're goddamn right.
1: It is. And so is Aiden English. Um, I got a couple of people saying the contrary, but they're wrong. Lana is better than a few of the women of honor girls. She is.
2: Sorry, Stella.
1: Sorry, Mandy. Lana's better. Mm-hmm. That's not, I'm not saying Lana's a good worker. I'm saying that Lana is, at least in this match, was passable. and She and Naomi carried the lion share of the match with Lana taking the majority of the offense. Either way, Uso punches English in the throat, and I loved all the concern <laughs> from beginning to end, even on Lana. She was like, oh no, the meal ticket.
2: I just love when he shouted, That's my that's the (laughs) moneymaker (laughs) oose.
1: I Uh, howled at that. Like is there (laughs) no honor? Yeah. Like there's an unwritten rule here. (laughs) Uh, so after this, uh, Lana and English try to attack, but they end up getting kicked. The really the only issue I have with Lana's work tonight was she anticipated the kick. You can see her waiting on the kick. Other than that, it was fine. Naomi hit a crazy suicide dive where when she hit English, she almost scorpioned herself on him. Like a, her <laughs> her heels almost touched the back of her head there.
2: Um, let me ask you something. Are we at the precipice now in WWE of having intergender in some form because we are having women hit moves on men or is that just part of the deal?
1: Now, what is it? Sorry.
2: Well, I mean, uh, uh, okay, let me rephrase it. How do you feel about Naomi hitting moves on
1: Aiden English?
2: Any, any problem with it?
1: No, I really, man, I don't have much of a problem with it one way or another because it's an entertainment program.
2: No, that's true.
1: That's my thing. That's how I am about a lot of stuff. That's how I was with the Naya Alexa bullying stuff. It's a TV show to me. I understand where you're, you're gearing a lot of this towards children though, and children don't necessarily understand the difference, but.
2: Right. I keep thinking that they're towing the line with intergender yet, not going over it because they did that with the mix match challenge in some ways. They're doing this in the mixed tag matches now a little bit more and a little bit more. I'm just wondering if they're flirting with it or if it's just if if it's just now part of the package of what mixed tag matches are. Is that a woman's gonna hit a, a, a move on a man, you know, just to get herself over a bit more?
1: I definitely don't think they should go full intergender stuff where, you know what I mean, where it's yeah, like fifty. I agree. P- I agree. That's that's a little much. Now, if you want to have a Charlotte or a Nia Jax beating a James Ellsworth or beating, rolling up a Heath Slater or something like that or, or something, or if there's a Ronda Rousey, if you want to have Ronda Rousey beat.
2: Well, she did that with Triple H in some way. She got the visual tap. Yeah, she got the, I really know, don't mind hand. that.
1: <laughs> so in this match, the babyface aspects of the aforementioned entrance are gone. Lana cracked Naomi with a couple of knees up against the the ropes. I thought that was a neat looking spot, a rough looking spot. I was a little worried for Naomi. I was like, "Man, I hope everything's okay there. Hope she's not concussing out of the match." <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Surfboard stomp into the the turnbuckles. Then there were just a few real bad elbow drops from Lana. These were hideous looking. They were bad. She shouldn't have done them, especially three. A roll-up spot that doesn't look great, but that's more on Naomi. Jimmy gets the tag. Lana's a little late to break up the pin. Uso and Naomi hit this cool assisted Thez press. That was a nice spot, and Naomi flies on that body press onto English. Mm -hmm. Uso pins him with a super kick to the throat. This was a mediocre match with some fun spots, I thought.
2: Oh, yeah, no, this is a perfectly fine time-waster TV match.
1: I didn't think it really exposed Lana as anything terrible and yeah
2: we're not we're not complaining god lana really stunk up the joint on this match geez get her out of there no so i mean as long as she's you know passable then then the match itself is is fine i think
1: yeah and i thought she was she was passable in tonight's effort and i thought i thought she did fine she did much better than i thought she would do honestly and Mm -hmm. that seems to be the theme when i watch her wrestle she i haven't seen a ton of stuff where i'm like man that was miserable
2: Oh, yeah, uh, this, this this whole SmackDown show was kind of fun compared to the slog that was Raw last week. Oh, night, yeah, so. I've
1: really liked the last couple of episodes of SmackDown. I really loved this backstage contract signing. <laughs> yes! That was different. It it's shouldn't been different. have been out of the box because this should have happened a long-ass time ago. But it was a cool new touch. You have Nakamura, AJ Styles, and Paige, and they are also flanked by Adam Pearce and Dean Malenko. Another good touch. <laughs> AJ cuts his little promo where he says a bunch of nothing mm-hmm. and Nakamura is gold.
2: Yo, dear Lord. If, if the WWE is looking for Emmys, I w- I would put Nakamura, this Nakamura performance on
1: a tape and send it to the Academy because so this is a heel.
2: Oh, this trolling. This pen is out of ink. Oh <laughs> dear Lord. Did I this love this?
1: pen is out of ink. It's broken. <laughs> <laughs> it's broken. And he throws it. He's
2: so good at this. This was so great. This is
1: uh, I never envis- envisioned Nakamura as a heel on WWE TV ever. I didn't know if it would ever happen. I don't know why. I never really let that. It. It never entered my mind because I don't. I didn't think it would enter WWE's mind.
2: I'll. I'll tell you what this reminded me a lot of. Um, and this is probably a little bit of the, um, uh, uh, muse for it was. Uh, I think it's 85. There was a contract signing between um, Nikita Koloff and Magnum TA where they're in this office and Nikita brings Ivan Koloff and they're wearing these, these, these white Miami vice type suits, which is just hilarious. And then Magnum brought his mother to the contract signing. Uh and and I think Nikita brings up the mom or something. and just turns into an all-out brawl in this office in, fr- in, in, in front of Jim Crockett and everybody. It, it was just great. This wasn't quite that, but I like that they didn't do this in front of the audience where, okay, here's the obvious table flip. Somebody does a spot. Somebody goes through it, whatever. This was very, very well done. And this served Nakamura as a heel better than your standard WWE contract signing would have
1: yeah i I completely agree I thought this was really great stuff AJ Styles smacks Nakamura it's broken up this was just good stuff also mm-hmm. I like the Nikita Koloff reference it is weird for me to think that he is three years younger than DDP <laughs> that isn't that weird he's not even 60 yet he was and he was done by 92. yeah unbelievable I-
2: um no and you know what it's it's obvious you know what was a nice little touch that was probably unintended was it looked like aj got nakamura's eye on that slap and so it's a bit red and he's trying to you know not not wink as much but yes. uh it was it was a nice little and you could see the red in the face as well and i i just thought everything about this was was pretty darn great. I would have liked AJ to have been a little bit more forceful in trying to get at Nakamura after that when Dean and Adam Pierce get involved, um, so that I actually know that they're actually restraining him rather than <laughs> rather than kind of that man get off me man that that kind of thing. I would have rather had AJ really infuriated by all this to to put over his part of it because his promo, his promo's words <laughs> more or less. Yeah. But other than that, other than that. That's just nitpickery. This thing was great.
1: His promos have said a lot of nothing for a long time. They Mm -hmm. really have. I was pretty disappointed in Becky Lynch against Charlotte Flair. I'm glad Becky got the win. Huh. Yeah. I, I mean, until the finish, I was disappointed. We see some chain wrestling, and I think it was a bad impression early on with Charlotte hitting that awkward splits takedown that wouldn't ever work, ever, ever would that work. My God, I guess it almost offended me at how unrealistic it was. I'll get offended over a takedown like that that would never, ever work way more than I would like a double moonsault, handspring, whatever, just because I'm like, man, that was rough. They were being like super friendos, and I didn't think it was getting over, and I thought they were a little sloppy early on. And then Charlotte hit this nice Canadian backbreaker out of the corner. Becky Dexter, there's a really <laughs> low elevation leg drop from Becky Lynch. She did not get much air at all <laughs> on that. There is a spear and a slingshot to the outside that looks good, but Charlotte's eat- Charlotte eats knees on a moonsault attempt. They trade submission attempt and what I thought was a really good finish, and then Becky submits Charlotte. What did you think? Obviously, I, I wasn't as keen on it.
2: I liked it more than you did. Um, mm-hmm. I agree that the beginning was a little bit sloppy, but once – once Charlotte hit those chops, it was on, I, I thought. I-, I thought everything after that and during the commercial break w- was pretty darn great. This is kind of because mostly because I am a Becky Lynch fanboy in many ways. Um, I have been waiting for her to have a match like this in forever. I think you should turn her heel so she can wrestle Charlotte like this more often and have a good program. Because um, I haven't given her much to do. And, and they, that's they,
1: that's that's one. Sorry to interrupt. That's one kind of like Nakamura. It's hard for me to imagine her as a heel, but her work would change, her demeanor would change, her offense would change. We've seen
2: that. Heel, she was great as a heel in NXT. I mean, she was she was fine yeah. there. I mean, but her style in terms of you know tearing arms off and stuff lends itself to heal them if if they wanted to. Um. But I've been waiting for her to have at least a halfway decent match, and instead she had been getting paired with. No no offense, some of the not very good technical wrestling women on the roster, if I can be judicious in that way, um, whereas Charlotte's pretty much the only person on her level talent-wise other than Asuka yeah. uh, on this SmackDown roster, and I am dying for a very good one-on-one Asuka-Becky feud where they're not trading wins necessarily, but just something building to one big match. Uh, but I liked this. I, 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 I it, it kind of kills my thought that Becky's going to win Money in the Bank. Yeah. But Becky needs more than anybody, other than maybe Bailey on the women's roster. Becky Lynch need needed a strong win, and I liked it.
1: Yeah, she needs a bit of a reboot. Speaking of Bailey, this may have not helped her at all because it looks like Corey Graves may have spoiled the idea that she is in Money in the Bank because he mentioned her among the participants. And they spent like the next 10 minutes on and off trying to cover up the snafu. Obviously there's, there's an injury angle with Natalia right now. And many, including me suspect that Bailey will replace Corey Graves. And he may have slipped up and said that knowing WWE, if they think enough people catch on to this, they will just exclude her from the match. That's the type of thing that they do often for the love of God They changed the Royal Rumble 1997 result because Vince Russo told 100,000 people on Livewire that he thought Bret Hart was going to win it. So this isn't like an unlike Vince McMahon thing to do. Do you think that will affect anything? Do you think that was a slip on Corey Graves' part or an honest mistake?
2: I think it was an honest mistake on Corey Graves part, I think it's one of those things where he knows what's going on and then forgets that nobody else does. If it is, I could see Natty being right back in this thing. Um, mm-hmm. I could also see one of the iconics being put in instead just to say, Hey, you know what's because she got injured. We've decided that, you know, Swerve. SmackDown doesn't have enough people on, in there. So we're going to have one other SmackDown person in there. Um, that would be a shame. But then again, it might not, Because given the angle that they gave Bailey on Monday, which stunk on
1: ice. Oh, it was terrible.
2: Get her away from anything resembling this program for a while. They made
1: Becky and Sasha both look like morons. Both look like Uh, morons.
2: Amber, you mean? Or Ember?
1: No, she didn't look as dumb. She didn't tag in or come down and interfere, but... Becky or Bailey ran out and interfered essentially, and Sasha right. was just super eager to tag her. Timber okay. didn't said, have a lot to do with that.
2: No, you said Becky. You said oh, sorry, Becky and Sasha. And I was like Bailey okay. and Sasha? My bad. Okay. Okay.
1: Big Cass comes out and Renee Young asks him how he'll beat Daniel Bryan. And Cass replies with being tall. He says that he's hated Daniel Bryan's at WrestleMania 30 when he saw him backstage. I al- I was preparing myself for an Enzo jab here. Were you? No. I was. I don't, I th- I
2: don't, I don't think they're even going to allude to him.
1: I, yeah, that, that was my thing. I was like, either this is where he takes a jab at having to carry a small guy like Daniel Bryan for a while, or they will never mention him. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it is the latter. He throws to a va- video of Daniel Bryan being choked out. Cuts a pretty good promo about how pathetic Daniel Bryan is, but I mean, he just lost to Bryan clean seven in seven minutes on pay per view, so his words don't really have that much meaning. I, mean, I think he's fine on the promo. It's just like, dude, your your character got beaten seven minutes.
2: I think this promo would have been best served if if he were talking directly in the camera, and I think a little bit more menace. Other than that, look, I've been hard on Cass the past couple weeks. I think this is his best promo since coming back.
1: You're hard on for Cass, huh?
2: I'm not. Look, I, no, I said I've been hard on Cass. Hey, you're sir. One, you're the one with the hard on. Excuse for me,
1: Cass. sir. Thank you. Sir, that OMG butter does a lot of things for me, but geez. Yeah, geez. <laughs> OMG.com. Yeah, this is this is fine. But like I said, I agree with you on that completely. Sinkara is interviewed backstage by Dasha, who is hanging around. She's hanging around. <laughs> she's less robotic, though. So, so she's at least improved. Well, com- compared to Sinkara, yeah. Oh, okay. Sinkara is very robotic. He says that he thinks of Andrade as a brother, but something happened in Zelina, just from off camera, which I love. What do you mean? You mean me? Which is what I would fully expect that character to do. If she thinks somebody could possibly be talking about her, she's within an
2: earshot.
1: Oh, yeah, no, I think she's oh, out.
2: What? You mean me? She's pacing. Oh, oh, I dare him to come out here yeah. and say something. About me. Oh, I dare him. Oh, oh, don't you dare drop my name. Oh, oh, please say something about me so I can just yell at you.
1: Oh, it's yeah. It's great. Ooh. She was waiting. Uh, she says that, Andrade has requested a match with him next week, and Andrade attacks Sin Cara and beats his ass. Z-z-z-z-z. Beats his ass.
2: I'm fine with this as a program for a while. I can't wait to see this match, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, man, Sin Cara, it's... I didn't expect Hunico to hang around this long. Hunico... If, you, if, you, if you would have yeah. asked me if Hunico or Camacho would have been anywhere in wrestling in 2018. I would have said, yeah, maybe not. And they're both doing all right. Yeah. I I would have said, I would have
2: said working indies somewhere. I would have never said that they would both be employed by major companies. And
1: yeah, 41 this year, got a new contract and a shoe deal. mm -hmm. Uh, Doing somebody else's gimmick. Doing somebody else's gimmick. But wait, didn't he do that guy's gimmick before that guy did his gimmick?
2: <laughs> yes, he did that guy's gimmick before that guy did his gimmick. And then the other guy did, did Hunico's run, gimmick. Run down the brief history
1: of this so I can isolate it for a video.
2: Okay. Um, according to what I know, and this may be completely wrong and, and not factual, uh, Camacho was Mystico. You mean before, you mean Hunico? Or Hunico, Hunico sorry.
1: Was Hunico was
2: Mystico. was Mystico before Mystico was Mystico yes and then that mystico became sincara and that sincara was sincara before hunico became sincara
1: yes and they ran the gimmick at the same time now Mm -hmm. keep in mind mystico is still in mexico but isn't mystico anymore or sincara it's neither man yes so who is mystico now
2: this is an Abbott and Costello routine. <laughs> <Wayne>.
1: <laughs> Keep in mind, Hunico also used to go by the name Incognito.
2: Mm-hmm. But but that Mystico used to the, the other Mystico used to team with Los Sombra before he became Cianamas.
1: And there's a, there's a Mystico and a Mystico two, mm-hmm. but Mystico, who later became Sincara, who later again became Mystico briefly. Became Mystiz mm-hmm. and Charistico. Mm-hmm. And right now there's a completely different Mystico portraying everything. It was uh he used to play Dragon Lee, right? Yes, I think so. <laughs> and isn't that isn't there another guy named Dragon Lee?
2: Yes. In New York
1: Dog.
2: Um, and also there's now a La Parca and an, and an LA park. So oh, keep in mind.
1: Dragon Lee is now, is he in New Japan? Yeah, he just did Best of the Super Juniors.
2: Yeah, and his brother is Hiromu.
1: Hiromu, who has Daryl, who is Mm -hmm. not actually Daryl because Daryl died. Mm -hmm. And also a new Daryl, who was ripped apart by Bad Luck Fale, who was in the Bullet Club with Camacho, now known... As what Tonga Loa, yeah, full circle, nice, full direction. circle, man. Full circle. Uh, and Soul says the current Mystico is Russia's brother, and so is Dragon Lee. Man, fantastic! Yeah, I had somebody ask if we would cover more Lucha Libre. I would love to, but juice has to be worth the squeeze financially for us, y'all. But we got Carlos, he does all kinds of interviews with Spanish language speaking talent and translates them because nobody else is doing that. So we have him do it and he's very, very, very awesome at it. New day defeated the Miz Rusev and Samoa Joe backstage. Miz is doing Miz Jitsu when Mr. Bootyworth approaches. I'm going to try to find out who that guy is. New day. wants Miz to help them reveal their member to the universe. (laughs) Yeah. Rephrase. I
2: love it. So, isn't Booty's worth? Isn't that uh, Dewey? Is it? I thought it was. I might be wrong on that. I'll check Dewey Foley.
1: It might be. Uh, I've not seen Dewey Foley enough to know what he looks like. It was not a viewer of Holy Foley. Mm. They want Miz to reach into a hat and pick out a name, in which will be the member of New Day. In which, <laughs> just get to it. Just get to the
2: dirty stuff and go.
1: In which will be the representative at Money in the Bank. So they have him put on a blindfold, and he reaches in, and it's pancake batter. And Big E Biggie. killed me during this.
2: He orgasmed. That's what he It did. was
1: so funny. <laughs> it was so goddamn funny. He was so great. <laughs>
2: I thought Miz afterwards pointing the finger and tried to throw the batter on people's faces. He Just shot about
1: 66% there.
2: Uh, you know, he's no Peter North, but what can you do?
1: Oh, uh- <laughs> why?
2: <laughs> oh, me? This is my fault? Big E's the one having an Okay, fine.
1: <laughs> um, you know, one of these guys had a sex tape release last year.
2: Yes. And you know, it was made mention of on on television once and then edited out, for mm-hmm. which will never be said again. Um, no, I, I liked the segment for what it was. It's it's uh it's non PG comedy pushing the envelope to be sure, but you know, it, it's it was fun for what it was. It was
1: hilarious. I liked the Samoa Joe interview backstage. Oh. It's fantastic per usual, and you just orgasm.
2: Oh, it made me pregnant. That promo. That thing was so good. Mm -hmm. Joe can Joe could read the phone book right now and I'd call it promo of the year because he'd have such conviction and he'd have such a good cadence about it, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, he sounds like he means every word he says, even if it's crap, even if the words suck, it sounds like he means it. I loved Joe's promo. I loved, loved, loved it.
1: He was fantastic. Early in the match, Big E at the belly to belly suplex. We go into the standard heel working over the babyfaces. Good spurts of offense from both Kofi and Xavier. I think Rusev fit in this match so well. He is good. He is. I see him as a main event caliber guy, or at least a very upper mid car upper card guy. I buy him. He stopped a YOLO dive with his knee. I loved the kind of turning the table on Big E, getting a Uranagi in the corner from Samoa Joe, because we've seen him do that move so much. And that Kofi trust spot looked (laughs) so perfect on TV. And the announcer sold it well, too. Because as it happened, I was like, he's up there a while. And then when he went backwards, I was just like, man, that that was great. Do you think that's something that they knew was going to look like that on TV?
2: Yeah, they, well, they had to um, because that that they had to get the right angle for that. So I, I think that well, was it's at, all dependent I mean.
1: on what side of the ring he does it on. True, but the that, optical that the optical that doesn't work anywhere but no. with that hard cam that is exactly. placed where it is. Exactly. So I I love that he gets caught with a moshka kick. Big E goes right into the ring post. Miz is trying to direct traffic and wants to crack Big E with a bunch of pancakes, but instead hits Samoa Joe and Rusev gets his ass kicked properly for it midnight hour in the pen this was fun cutesy stuff but i didn't feel like i had my time wasted by it
2: no i liked it up until the heels all turned on one another and, and then they have to go yes it's every man for himself and money in the bank it's like oh yeah. god stay together for the paycheck kids that's all you need to do <laughs> but uh yeah no the, the match itself was great
1: That was SmackDown Live. It was a lot of fun, I thought. A couple good weeks of SmackDown Live in a row. We got some wrestling news as well. As we mentioned, Leo Rush going to 205 Live. But there are rumors today that AAA could end up running Madison Square Garden. Now, there are rumors that All In could run Madison Square Garden next year. Mm -hmm. And apparently, Madison Square Garden may be not the happiest with wwe because they're not running msg as much which is expensive what do you make of these rumors
2: not much i think i think the uh i think the all-in msg rumor was just cody trying to get heat um i don't think AAA could sell out madison swear garden i don't think they have enough of a foothold in the american market i i just i just don't i don't think that i, I mean look there's a large hispanic contingency in new york city don't get me wrong I don't know what the viewership numbers are like there. That would probably be something for Bix to comment on if he knew. Um, But I just don't see that happening. I don't see it being enough of a draw, and I don't see them having the stars that would get a crossover audience into that building. Um, MSG being mad at WWE for not running them enough. Look, they they get a better deal at the Barclays Center. Make a better deal. deal. Make a better deal. If if you want that. I mean, there was a time when they, I mean, MSG used to have a thing where you had to end the show by what? 10 or 11. Something weird like that. Or something like that. They don't have these problems at at the Barclays. If if that still exists. It's a newer arena. It's easier for people to get there. In my opinion, it's more comfortable for people to bring families to there versus MSG you know what, if MSG really wants to stick it to WWE, they would book a AAA or an all-in there and say, okay, fine, you're with us now. I found it fascinating that they're uh, plugging the Undertaker's appearance on the same day as the Cow Palace show.
1: Yeah, that's interesting, right? And Mm -hmm. there's not been a lot announced for the Cow Palace show. We'll go ahead and talk about that. What do you think they add to that? Because Jushin Thunder Liger versus Mysterio isn't happening at Dominion as many suspected.
2: I I think they have to get through Dominion first. I don't think. They have everything down, but I think they have an idea of what it is. Um, I think this is going to be where they do Ray and Jushin Liger, uh, which was supposed to happen in Long Beach. Um, Because they still haven't sold out the Cow Palace, so they still need a big match there. Uh, I could see them having Jericho on that card to help. I I was going
1: to ask if you thought that they would have Jericho on that card. He's got a big match with Naito. We'll make predictions on that in in a moment, actually. but. The Cow Palace deal, uh, I think they are a victim of treating that last Long Beach show like a one or two match show.
2: Mm -hmm. I
1: think that really hurt them because while when you're moving to a new market, you can bring your familiar formula that's made you popular here, but you do have to adjust a little bit. And when American fans see a match loaded down with eight-man tags – and they don't mean anything, and then they're not that good, I think that speaks volumes.
2: Well, and also, they're doing a show in July right before the G1, and it's not the G1. Yeah. If they had run something that was the G1 with some meaning, that thing would have sold out immediately.
1: Also, they're running, what, Daytona right before that, too? Yeah. We got oh, May- John Morgan, going to be oh, at that man. event. We've got Pat and He's going to be at Aralucha. we got all kinds of I'm sure that we're sending somebody to Slammiversary for Toronto. Like, there's places, we got people everywhere these days, but they got Dominion this Saturday. I am doing a review on Saturday afternoon once I take in the show uh, on FightfulSelect.com. That show will be free to non-subscribers as a preview. But let's go ahead and make these predictions. You have the junior heavyweight tag team titles, El Desperado and Kanamaru against Rapongi 3K.
2: I think Rapongi 3K retain. Or... I'm
1: really liking them. I They're love great. that. I think it's the the cutter and dominator combo essentially. I love that move. And love they and,
2: move. and they both did quite well in the in Best of Super Juniors. So yeah.
1: David Finley and Juice Robinson against Yoshihashi and Jay White. I think David Finley and Juice Robinson will win this. I think they'll pin Yoshihashi. Yes. Uh, because they, they seem to like Finley an awful lot.
2: Yeah, and then Finley will probably attack White after the match.
1: Toru Yano and Tomohiro Ishii against Zack Sabre Jr. and Minoru Suzuki. How do you see this one?
2: Well, Yano just won the last match, so even though he's my boy and that's my team, I think Sabre and Suzuki win this.
1: Yeah, I'm going with Sabre and Suzuki, too. And, man, Suzuki still doing it at that level at that age is something special.
2: I think Ishii and and Suzuki are going to smack the crap out of each other, though, which will be fun. Yeah.
1: Bullet Club combination of Cody, Marty Skrull, and Hangman Page against Rey Mysterio, Jushin Thunder Liger, and Hiroshi Tanahashi. I think one of two things will happen. Either Liger, Mysterio, and Tanahashi win, or they lose and we see a little bit of friction between Mysterio and Liger that builds to that match, probably at the Cow Palace. Because I think that New Japan would probably like to give the American fans that match that they had promised. I know Mysterio would. Cody, Skrull, and Page... However, you got the Cody Skrull thing where you're building the friction there. I think their friction leads to them losing. And still we see a little bit of interaction between Liger and Mysterio after the match.
2: Yeah, and Tanahashi being on that team also. I mean, look, I I think the visual of those three winning would be something. Although, you know, I I just, I I see, I don't see Ray and Liger being a match that you need someone to be heelish in. It's a dream match, so I don't think you need to do the miscommunication and then they start shoving each other and challenge each other for the match. I think they do the, I think they they win and then they challenge each other based on mutual respect.
1: Yeah, I think you can leave the miscommunication to the two heels and Cody and Marty Skrull, who have a pay per view matchup with essentially a sister promotion later this month, and then afterwards Mysterio can just say, "I want to face you at the Cow Palace." Yeah. Simple. IWGP Junior Heavyweight Title match. Will Osprey defends against Hiromu Takahashi. To me, these are often pickems because this title can kind of flip flop back and forth, and it is what it is. And Hiromu Takahashi is insanely over, and Will Osprey is having a hell of a run. But who do you think's winning this?
2: I think Osprey only because they need to get through those matches with with uh, Ray. And uh, yeah, I, I think I think Osprey keeps the belt for a little while longer, but I do think Hiromu is the next guy to get it.
1: I agree with you there. Also to mention, uh, they could lead to something between Mysterio and Marty Skrull because they have teased that in yeah. the past as well. Never open weight championship match. Hiroki Goto defends against Taichi and uh, Michael Elgin. I'll go with Elgin here. Why not? I've loved Goto over the last, I think, year or so, though. Yeah,
2: since he joined uh, Chaos? Yeah. Yeah. I can't see them putting a belt on Elgin.
1: You think he doesn't need one?
2: Well, no, but I don't think they, that you could bring him to the States and have him be a belt holder.
1: <laughs> I, I don't just think don't. they care, man. I don't think okay. they give a shit. I I mean you could I could be wrong. I mean, that doesn't mean they're gonna give him a championship. I mean they gave him a new contract.
2: No, that's true. Um
1: So they truly don't give a shit.
2: Yeah, anybody could win this one. Uh but I'll I'll you know what? Screw it, I'll go with Elgin as well.
1: LIJ defend the IWGP heavyweight tag team titles against the Young Bucks. And I know this match means a lot to the Young Bucks. They have a big month because they have an ROH World Tag Team Championship match at the end of the month as well against the Briscoes. I think they probably win it. Obviously, New Japan loves them. Do you think Matt Jackson still sells the back? And who do you think wins this?
2: I think they lose because he's still selling the back. And I think go. they, I think they get over the hump in the Cow Palace. I, I, I think they can lose here. Doubt have a program where they doubt that they can hang and and win the big one in the tag team turn in the tag team heavyweight division, and then win it in San Francisco. I
1: perhaps. think losing to the Briscoes at the end of the month would really help that too. Honestly, it would help okay. accentuate that. Okay. So you know, I, I could see that Chris Jericho against Tetsuya Naito intercontinental title will they give super liger his due
2: (laughs) Man, this could go either way because jericho's jericho's move is he talks all this crap and then he loses yeah so i could see him losing here because naito is just too big of a star to lose right now but i could see this program continuing but i'm gonna go with naito
1: I will go with Jericho. Okay. I reserve my my right to change this before David Tees takes the pickums at the end of the week, but and then I think maybe Jericho faces Naito in a rematch in San Francisco and drops it there. I could I could see that. Mm. Okada Omega 2 out of 3 falls. No time limit. I will be completely off of Twitter as I watch this because I don't want any spoilers ahead of this. The first prediction, how long do you think the match goes?
2: No time limit. I'm going to say 75.
1: 75. And we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight matches ahead of it. I think they'll go. How long did Seth Rollins go earlier this year?
2: Oh, on it's, that gauntlet match? Or? It was
1: 75, right? Yeah. How long did Daniel Bryan go in the Royal Rumble?
2: Oh, in the world's greatest Royal Rumble? He went uh, He went about 80, I think.
1: I'm going to check really quickly. Pardon, pardon the dead air, you guys. One hour, 16 long. minutes. He went 76 minutes. 76. I think they're going 77 minutes. Okay. I <laughs> think they'll go 77 minutes. Just to spite him. Just, just to, just so Omega can, type of thing, just, just so they can. Um. I think Okada, I think Okada wins, and they get to the two year point. I mean, business is real good. Yeah, or Okada's if, if good. they're not confident in San Francisco sales, they might they they could go with Omega. But I think they'll go to the two year mark with Okada.
2: Okada's the man. You gotta you gotta let him win. I don't see I mean, look, I get I get the WWE thing of everybody gets a turn. Doesn't ha- doesn't happen in New Japan. Get ghetto's too much of a old school NWA territories fan where the guy who holds the belt holds the belt for a long time and it means something. I think Imagine Okada Imagine if do. they hadn't
1: given Naito that short run. Yeah. They would be at like what, three, three and a half years right now?
2: Yeah, but I don't mind the Naito run, to be honest with you.
1: I minded the primetime players run in the middle of the New Day reigns.
2: Oh, yes. That that was terrible.
1: That was terrible in retrospect. I don't mind the Naito reign either because it helped launch him into something special. So We do have Dominion coverage live. Again, guys, if you don't mind, head over to Fightful.com. Join our live coverages. I am going to stop by and chat in those a little more often. So if you want to talk to me during the shows, that's the place to do it. I'll be doing that a little more than Twitter. Uh, we're going to get more active in our forums as well if you're a subscriber to fightful select you can talk to us on the community sections i'm always taking questions for my q a shows but yeah we're looking to engage with you more on the the comments and stories individually as well as the live coverage and the forums so use them jeff what do you got going on this week
2: uh this week uh rob's back in the chair so doing shake them ropes with me um we're going to try and avoid Raw as much as possible because I don't want to be depressed. So we'll see what happens on NXT, and uh, we'll go from there.
1: Guys, head over to the YouTube right now, youtube.com slash Fightful. See the Band in Canada list in your boy intro. It's the intro that Jimmy Van and the Canadians don't want you to see. We had a major argument on last week's show over mm. contracts, specifically... Mike Awesome's contract and MLW contracts. It's worth a watch. Follow Jeff at Crap Game 13. Follow me at Sean Ross Sap. Follow us at Fightful Online. Until next time, we are out.